Welcome to the Storyline Podcast, where we are talking to global leaders about God's global mission. Welcome to the Storyline Podcast. My name is Kirby Holmes, and I will be the host of our show today. I recently traveled to the country of Ukraine in Eastern Europe, and I brought along with me a young man named Sean James. Sean is a missions pastor located in Austin, Texas. He's a young guy. He's 25 years old, and so he's kind of from this millennial generation. And uh, I know it's a big topic of conversation uh, in the church. What are millennials thinking about? And uh, I I just uh, find... Our trip together to Ukraine was a real insight into a new generation's thoughts about global missions, uh, some of Sean's biblical training in Bible college about missions, and some of the experience he's had as he served around the world. And I think you'll find our conversation just fascinating about Sean himself, uh, about some of the things he experienced as we traveled together and talked to leaders and missionaries who were serving around the world. So listen to Sean as he talks about global missions from the millennial voice. Let's get started. Hey, Sean. Good to hang out with you today. Yeah, definitely. Excited to be here. Uh, We're here in Austin, Texas, and uh, Sean and I were recently traveling in the country of Ukraine together and had just a great trip. Tell me something about yourself. I'm a younger guy. I'm 25. I grew up in New England, um, out in the cold, and then uh, moved to California for college. Got an undergraduate degree in intercultural studies and missions. Met my beautiful wife, Casey, in Southern California, and... Very shortly after, we moved out here to Austin uh, to begin um, doing ministry at a church here in the city, um, and I've been serving as the missions pastor for a few years now. Yeah, you and I met here in Austin through interest, similar interest in global missions uh, with what I'm doing with Storyline and how your church uh, has been committed to partnering with Storyline, and so we've met just through that connection of global missions. Um, tell me about your role in ministry. Like, what's it like to be a missions pastor? What have you been responsible for? Yeah, um, I've been really blessed to be able to um, go see a lot of different type of ministry around the world. The church I'm a part of has been um, gracious in sending me to uh, go and encourage and support ministries in places in Se- Central and South America, um, in Africa, um, obviously more recently in, in Eastern Europe with Storyline and uh, we have a few others spread out. I have the blessing of being able to share with our church what's going on in the world and, and at times be able to bring people along with me and mobilize short-term missions trips and help mobilize people on their calling for mission if the Lord puts that on their lives. Well, you're such a young guy. I mean, you're in your mid-20s and uh, I'm not that young. I'm a little bit older. I'm in sort of the, the generation ahead of you. And so it's, I'm really curious because the church is trying to understand millennials and the millennial perspective and... For us, the topic of global missions and how you, as a millennial or young guy, how you think about it and what your experience has been in it. So I'm glad we're sitting here talking today because I think a lot of people are interested in your perspective, what's going on in the world. Um, And as you've talked about your experience traveling around the world, I just am blown away. You're so young, but have so much experience. Tell me about a few of the places that you've been and like what you've been doing in those locations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. More recently, uh, with the church I serve at in Austin, we have a lot of ministry being done in Central America, specifically in Nicaragua and Guatemala. Um, And those ministries are involved with lots of different things. The one in Guatemala is a children's home, caring for orphan children. Um, And the one in Nicaragua is all about church planting and education. So I've been able to 
sit there, encourage, uh, connect our church with the ministry being done. And for me, it's been a blessing to be able to sit and learn from how they're engaging with specifically impoverished people and helping resource them through the church. Mm-hmm. For me, the kind of the bedrock of where I learned deeply missions for me personally was in Haiti. Um, I spent four and a half years uh, living there part-time uh, in and out of Port-au-Prince. And uh, there's a community on the outside of the city that um, wasn't there before the 2010 earthquake. Uh, you remember there was a big earthquake that year at the beginning of the year in January 2010. Thousands of people uh, lost their lives and were displaced. And so this whole community cropped up after that as people were trying to find a new place to live when things weren't rebuilt. And so they were completely under-resourced, no infrastructure, no churches. And so uh, my degree in college, I actually got a minor in international development, creating sustainable solutions to developing world issues. So for me, it was kind of a a practicum as I was studying to be able to be engaged with um, Haitian leaders as they were working to help benefit their community for the sake of the gospel, Uh, sharing the truth while also meeting people's physical needs so that they know that they were cared about by the body. So for me, I kind of cut my teeth learning um, under the instruction of some really incredible Haitian pastors leading me along, showing me what it means to uh, live your life on mission and live your life as a sacrifice for the gospel. Well, as you uh, have so much experience in Latin America and even there in the Caribbean islands, I know you've done some travel to Africa as well. Mm -hmm. We've talked about some of those trips. And so you're somebody who's seen a fair bit of missions taking place around the world, but this is your first trip to Eastern Europe, uh, first time to Ukraine and sitting with missions leaders, missionaries, and hearing some of their stories about what's going on in their part of the world. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that uh, surprised you or some of the stories that stood out to you about being in Eastern Europe and hearing from some of these leaders? Yeah, um, going into Eastern Europe is the first time, um, going into Europe even for the first time, it's kind of an uh, unknown region to me. And so had no real expectation of, of what I was gonna experience and was just blown away by the churches that we got to engage with. When we were at a, a missions conference there held by a local church, bringing in all these missionaries who were um, around the globe serving, um, living incarnationally, sometimes in dangerous or closed countries where uh, active proclamation of the gospel in public is not legal or safe. I was just blown away by their faith. A lot of the places that I go um, and have spent time a lot of the ministry is actually surrounding addressing the issues of poverty. Uh, you can imagine in Haiti, you know, it's, it's things like housing and water. And while Eastern Europe has its own economic issues, it wasn't those issues being actively addressed. It was social issues and the growth of the church and the proclamation of the gospel. And it was just a whole new lens of seeing people being mobilized, just the health of the churches. Sometimes just I'm blown away by things that are so recognizable of just being a Christ follower. Um, I remember one evening we were able to go sit in on a Ukrainian small group Mm -hmm. one evening and they gathered around and they fed us and then we had worship and then they read through a section of the Gospel of John and uh, then they did prayer requests and prayed for each other and just had joy and laughter and you could tell that they cared about the issues facing each other. For me, it just reminded me of home and I've seen that around the world, and I was just continually surprised at how unified the body is, even when we're not necessarily comparing notes, but we're all following Jesus, and it looks very similar. There's things that are just very recognizable. 
and I was very encouraged to see that, that unity without even that cross-communication, but we just are all trying to follow Jesus, and it looks very similar. Yeah, I remember that night because we left both going, you know, you'd be in any Christian small group in the world where you gather in a home, it, it has this feel, and it's the same. Yes. No matter what country, continent, language, even if you don't even understand the language, there's the sense of, wow, that's a part of my family, and I get to be there with them. And yeah. It's no different being in Austin, Texas, or you know, a city in Ukraine, or somewhere else in the world. That uh, it's the church, it's the body, and we're together. And we both felt that, I think, when we left and we talked about that. Well, and another thing that was surprising to me was hearing consistently about short-term missions uh, being sent from either the churches we were at in Ukraine or even some of the missionaries who were in other harder-to-reach areas that were sending short-term teams from their churches across Central Asia and, and different things. As you were asking about kind of that millennial perspective, a lot of my peers and my generation, we grow up with short-term missions being the, the annual thing you do with your youth group, and it, it just becomes part of the consistent fabric of, of church life for us. And, and so the idea of short-term missions just being kind of a regular thing, but more thinking about that's just an American thing of because of our resourcing and the ability to, to do that, it was surprising to hear about the um, how common short-term missions are, but then the uh, the level of commitment that they're willing to give to short-term missions, and I and I don't want this to seem like I'm I'm downplaying the short-term missions we get to be involved with, but uh, for us it it's it's become somewhat easy in some places that we go. A lot of people, especially teenagers who are going on these trips uh, from the states, it's not too hard to raise the money, and they go on a summer vacation and they serve, and that's a beautiful thing. I think the the idea is that it's an easy on-ramp into understanding missions. And I was surprised by our Ukrainian brothers and sisters' view of short-term missions, um, where they would go for a month to three months and just live incarnationally in a place. And there was a moment where I asked, uh, what do you do about your jobs? And uh, for some of them, they were like, well, we leave our jobs, and then we'll find a job when we get back. And that level of commitment and sacrifice around a short-term missions trip challenges my understanding of what a short-term missions trip is. Mm-hmm. And that um, it can, for them, it, it's a call of sacrifice and it's a call of the gospel needs to be proclaimed. And maybe I'm not being called to live that vocationally in, in the sense of totally moving to a new context. And maybe it will in the future. But for them, they're like, I know I'm called to sacrifice, so I'm going to go spend a few months in Uganda or in Uzbekistan or, or wherever or China and go proclaim the gospel because that's what Jesus calls me to do. For me, it was surprising and it also was challenging for me to really think about what is short-term missions? Uh, can it be more? Are we called to something greater? Yeah, I remember one guy was talking about he's a construction worker and he would be working on a project and saving money during the project because he wanted to do short-term missions for a month or two or three. And as he saw the project ending, he knew that was his time to be able to go on a short-term mission project. And yeah. he could leave with the money he saved. He knew when he got back from the short-term mission project, he'd be able to find another construction job and start to work. There was a story that, again, just blew me away. An underground house church. Am I allowed to talk about the locations? Uh, what do we just say in Central Asia? Okay, yeah. yeah. So one of the stories that just blew me away was a, an underground church in Central Asia that's in a place that's not an easy place to be a Christ follower, found out about an unreached people group 
in another hard to reach place, <laughs> right. uh, uh, minority in, people in, Asia, in yeah. Asia that are completely unreached, this underground house church sent short-term missions teams to go proclaim the gospel to an unreached people group. And I think my ignorance, I wouldn't necessarily even think that that was possible, that a church that is underground and struggling with its own persecution would have the the purpose and the drive and even the ability to send their own people somewhere else to proclaim the gospel when in my mind I'd maybe be more concerned with just surviving, um, just existing as a church even in that context. And for them, just that understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower is to proclaim the gospel. That's not just an extracurricular of being a Christian, but that is core to who we are. It was powerful. It's something that will definitely stick with me <laughs> for a very long time. Yeah, you and I had lunch with that, uh, that courageous young man and just hearing his story about how his family are committed to doing missions, not just short-term, but to now they're actually living long-term among that unreached people group. And it was fascinating just to, just to ponder from a persecuted church location that they're sending short and now long-term teams to other places where there's persecution. I got the sense that Americans might not be the best people to be sent to persecuted areas. Yeah. When there are those who already live within persecuted areas saying, go ahead and send me, God, I'll be the one who'll go. Because they can identify with those people, they understand in a deep way what those people in, in that environment are experiencing under persecution. They understand what it's going to mean, the price that people are going to have to pay if they accept Christ and are possibly kicked out of their family are pursued by the local authorities. Um, as Americans, maybe we're not so attuned to what that life might be like or what we're actually inviting people into. And uh, God is raising up other parts of the body around the world to say, hey, I'm going to send you because I need you for a specific mission. And Americans just aren't going to be able to fulfill that part of the mission that God is calling some people into. We love our comfort. We love safety. I mean, how many times have we gone on a mission trip and people say, be safe? <laughs> You know, there's something about, you know, maybe the mission isn't going to be safe, you know. Mm -hmm. And so as we listen to this guy at lunch talk about his call, his specific investment in ministry to persecuted people from a persecuted place, uh, that was just an honoring time with him. Yeah. You know, I felt like you and I were the ones <laughs> who were getting incredible benefit out of his great courage. We, we got to meet him and, and many other missionaries at uh, this conference uh, that this local church was holding I we got grouped with all of the missionaries who were had come back from out of town from wherever on the the world and the region they were serving, um, and we got kind of grouped with them, and we were the only Americans, and it just felt like I don't know if I belong here. Just mm -hmm. the level of sacrifice that these people had, but at the same time the level of joy about telling their story, and they wanted to tell you about specific people and show you every picture on their phone of every testimony and. It was incredibly humbling and exciting to know that uh, in the ethnocentric way of us Americans thinking that missions revolves around us proclaiming missions and even proclaiming the gospel and teaching everybody how to do it, that conference would have been an incredibly beautiful thing and would have mobilized people if there were no Americans in the room and how, how great that was. But then that it was a blessing for us to participate in it mm -hmm. um, was humbling. No, I agree. And we've been another guy there, and I don't know how much you want to tell his story, Jamal. Yes. And him in Armenia. He's a Kurdish man ethnically, but he's part of this the spiritual belief 
of the Yazidis. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you want to tell anything about his story. Yeah, yeah. We Another meeting at that conference, we got to uh, have lunch with Jamal and um, I forgot the other gentleman's name. Oh, uh, Savek. It's Savek. So we got to have lunch uh, with these with these two gentlemen and Jamal shared his story of being pulled at a young age into a life of crime in the mafia and all of the pain that that brought him and uh, just was a not a nice guy and belonged to this minority um, religion faith group of the Yazidi, which is very anti-Christian in its formation. Um, they believe in these spirits that conquered Jesus and uh, um, still learning about the but very mystical belief that's uh, anti-Christian. You know, he's living this life that is not fulfilling and ultimately leads him to this state of depression where his family's concerned about his well-being and um, on the verge of suicidal. And, and there's a Christian missionary that wanders into their town and his sister brings this missionary to him and the missionary shares the gospel. And, and Jamal, at the bottom and the end of his self, uh, realized that he needed Jesus and, and accepted Christ. And then asked this missionary, what do I do now? And the missionary says, share the gospel, tell other people. And then the missionary leaves. And for the next 10 years, Jamal finds himself at the beginning being the only Christian and starts what we would call a sports ministry, which we have all of these ideas of how you do that. He just kind of stumbled into it because it allowed him access to these families to do sports camps and soccer camps for these children in all these different Yazidi villages started building a church and started finding people coming to faith and eventually was connected with other Armenian believers who now support him and are engaged in the ministry with him. But just the simplicity of obedience by himself, just ministering to share the gospel because in an instant he knew that Jesus had changed his life, had saved him, and knew that other people needed that as well. It was incredible story after story like these of just hearing people being saved just knowing the truth, and very quickly, they didn't have it all figured out. They just started proclaiming the gospel, and fruit came quickly and in powerful ways. Yeah, it is an incredible story of sitting with Jamal and hearing him talk about the love of God for him in a time when he did not expect it, and a missionary shows up in his hut. <laughs> and this is in the highlands of Armenia, where it's the poorest of the poor, and very few people go there because it's such a different people and group and language and yeah. then just not many people go. And he was the first one of the Kurds that are the Yazidi spiritual belief system within Armenia that has come to faith in Christ. And so again, just what an honor to sit with him and hear him share his story and about the things that he's committed to, to ongoing ministry among the Yazidi people in Armenia. Well, you know, you meet these different people, you hear about these stories of uh, missionary adventures throughout the world. What are some things that you're hopeful about in the global church and about the future of missions? I went to college for for missions. Um, There's all this talk about what's the future of missiology? What's the future of missions? Uh, Where are we going? What is God calling us to? And uh, the idea of global Christianity, that the gospel is spreading and there's more Christians outside of the West than in the West. You, You hear these phrases like missions needs to stop being from the West out to the rest, but instead it needs to be from anywhere to everyone. And for me, uh, getting that education in a Bible college, you hear that and it's more put up there as a 
a goal or a concept or a theory that we should be aiming for this to be happening without much of evidence that it's happening right now. And you think, okay, how do we engage with that? And how would we even do that? Because we're, we shouldn't be involved. They should be doing it. And showing up to this conference that we went to, as well as just hearing from these other churches, that it's happening, that it's real, that there are people being mobilized from churches in Ukraine and churches in Russia and other places around the world to go be on mission, to live incarnationally, to proclaim the gospel, is incredibly hopeful because it shows, it testifies again to God's will being done Mm -hmm. and that we get to participate in it. And that's a beautiful thing, but the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as water covers the sea. And he's going to see that work come to fulfillment and that we get to be involved in that, but we also get to cheer on other people being involved in it. Was It's just powerful. And to see we can learn from them is incredibly edifying, that we need uh, them to build us up. Uh, we can learn so much from what they're experiencing in missions, what they're experiencing in church planning. Um, and we have things to offer as well, but it, it brings up that concept of we need every single part of the body. And that's mm-hmm. not just every single person in your local church, but that's every local church around the globe has access to different strengths and different experiences and different things that the Lord is showing them. It just, it makes me incredibly hopeful that God is doing things that I will never hear about this side of eternity that just bring him so much joy. And that I just know that God's will is being done on this earth in places that we would just be blown away to hear about these stories. And most of them will never hear but God is making his kingdom come. Yeah, Man, incredible to see that really right now there's only about 10% of Christianity is in America. Uh, that, that's just like 90% of the rest of the Christian church is outside of the United States in places like Eastern Europe, in places like Africa, Latin America, Australia. You know, just like the church is growing at a pace globally that um, missionaries who faithfully served in the past, God has created much fruit mm. from that effort. Yeah. And now there's a future where there's new fruit and it's going to be the fruit of some of the hardest places to go among some of the hardest people to reach. And while Americans are participating through partnerships and through sending and financially supporting, I mean, really some of the people on the ground that are going to those locations will not be Americans. And, you know, maybe it's a good thing that it's not Americans, but it's great for me to be able to see you get so excited about how God is using, you know, Ukrainians in that effort. God is using central Asians in this effort to fulfill the Great Commission. And, uh, you know, we get to be around it. We get to hear some of the stories, meet some of the people. Uh, but uh, what an honor to know that, you know, Americans aren't the ones that have to be involved in everything, that, that God um, loves his church and he's using people from every nation, tribe, and tongue and language mm-hmm. in the fulfillment of the Great Commission, even. And uh, that, that's something that we should feel honored that we've been a part of in the past in our 200 year history of missions from the West. Um, but then we get to kind of try to figure out how do we now support as Westerners new movements, new expressions of how God's using his church globally. Well, look, we got back from our trip and uh, you stepped into changes and transitions and things going on in your life and the uh, life of your family just in the last uh, moment here. Uh, what are you excited about for your future? Um, over the past couple of weeks, our local church, which was a, a satellite of uh, the bigger church that I serve at, Um, has begun to walk out becoming an autonomous church in its community. 
Um, and we've just seen vibrant growth. And uh, through the process of praying about that, my wife and I, are uh, Casey, are feel called to help plant this church. And so I'll be stepping away from the the big missions pastor role at the big church. Um, and now at this new church, we don't even have a name yet. We'll be um, serving. We're waiting to see what the Lord has for us on assignment there. Um, we know that there's a lot of discipleship opportunities that we're walking out with some some people the Lord's put in our lives. And also, uh, I am confident that the Lord is not done with the missions uh, world and, and my calling which I feel is to help the local church understand its calling to the global mission of God. And so we're already beginning to talk with the new leadership of this church and helping figure out what does engagement with missions look like. And I can, and I can truly say, and, and not just as a plug, but I can, I can truly say that the experience that we had in Ukraine is, is really helping color that in for us and talking through there's missions happening around the world that Maybe we're not the ones being sent, but how can we be engaged in it? How can we be uh, mobilizing it, encouraging it, equipping it, resourcing it even? So it's an exciting time for us. We know that the Lord is going to do some really incredible things. We've, we've got a Spanish-speaking church that we're working with. We're doing bilingual services and um, just some really beautiful things. And so for us, it's a lot of maybe unknown for what's going to happen with this this new church and what it'll grow into and what the calling the Lord will put specifically on this body will be, um, but we know that he's in it and um, we're excited for the future. Well, thanks so much for your time, Sean. It's been a great time talking through our trip and some of the things we learned together and specifically some of the things you saw. So thanks for sharing with us. Oh, definitely. My pleasure. Our Storyline team loves talking to global leaders like Sean. We get to travel and uh, meet with people who are trying to mobilize the church to help fulfill the Great Commission, to serve as a body across the entire globe and serve with one purpose, to be the church in the world, to make sure that people from every nation, tongue, and tribe have the opportunity to hear about the love of God and the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so our Storyline staff get to have conversations like this with Sean, and uh, we're just so grateful. Uh, One of the things that's really unique is we just heard back from our Brazilian partners who took our Storyline study and translated it into the Portuguese language. Uh, They took the study and the seminar, which is for local churches to be educated and inspired towards what God's doing in the world so they can be a part of God's story in this generation and how he's sending his church to people who don't know Christ. And so we're just uh, grateful for our Brazilian friends and for them uh, using our resources. And uh, we just want you to know if you want to grab any of these translations of our storyline study or get access to uh, the teaching within our seminars, uh, we've got five languages available now. We've got our English version, of course. We have a Russian, a Ukrainian, and a Spanish, and now Portuguese translation of our storyline resources. And uh, we're just grateful for partners around the globe who are uh, ready and active at mobilizing their local churches for God's story and for God's mission in the world today. If you want to get access to these resources, go to storylinemissions.org check out our website. You can go and uh, find some free downloads of these resources. We would uh, love to make sure you have access to them. So thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Have a great week.